Welcome to Breaking Banks, the number one global fintech radio show and podcast. I'm Brett King. And I'm Jason Henricks. Every week since 2013, we explore the personalities, startups, innovators, and industry players driving disruption in financial services. From incumbents to unicorns, and from cutting-edge technology to the people using it to help create a more innovative, inclusive, and healthy financial future. I'm J.P. Nichols, and this is Breaking Banks. Welcome to Breaking Banks. I've been saying that for 10 years now, and uh, it hasn't yet got old. Uh, joining me for our 500th show at a truly epic uh, milestone are uh, my faithful co-hosts, J.P. Nichols and Jason Henricks. Gentlemen, welcome. Hello. 500 episodes, 10 years. Hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you think about it, we've been doing this show every week for 10 years. And yeah, we have some repeat shows here and there. But generally speaking, we're at least producing 50 shows a year, at least. You know, so right, and it is ten years. So here we go, five hundredth episode. Um, I don't know if I'd ever ever thought we'd get to this milestone when I first started the show. Um, in fact, you guys have heard me tell this story a few times, but um, do you know the reason I started the uh, the podcast? Well, tell us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as I say it, you'll you'll remember. But um, you know, I at the time because it was 2013, May 2013. At the time, Movin was starting to really take off. We'd just done our seed rounds. It was flat out. I was running a weekly blog called Banking for Tomorrow, mm-hmm. and the way I write, I do, you know, for a, a lot of the stuff I write. You know, sometimes I do straight opinion pieces, but a lot of the time I'm doing research pieces. And it was taking me a few hours every week to do the blog. And I was just running out of time. And in my naivety, I thought, well, a podcast is only going to be an hour a week because it was live in those days. And I thought I'd be saving myself time. Little did I know that it would turn into this big beast. So so there you go. Um, And uh, um, I had been on a radio show out in California with uh, Ken Rutowski and it had been, I'd been heard on that show from a producer for Voice America, Randall Libero, who you're going to hear from um, later. And Randall rang me up and said, you should do your own show. And uh, a few weeks later, um, we were, we were live with the first episode of Breaking Banks. Um, we, I, I think we might have a clip later from Giles Andrews, who was our first guest from Zopa. And on the second show, we had Ben Milne from Dewala. I remember that. And we also had um, uh, John Matonis, who at the time was the chair of the Bitcoin Foundation. They, that was our first and second episode. Well, do you think about that, 2013, I mean, Bitcoin wasn't even invented until uh, 2009, right? So we're in the very early stages of this um, crazy thing called fintech. Many people hadn't even heard about it. Uh, it was really pretty narrow group. And as you mentioned, doing it live, uh, then literally live, meaning opening on the air and Voice America built their business on what was originally called internet radio, right? It was about having a live broadcast over a URL. Absolutely. So all the shows were live back in those days. We don't do live shows very often now. Um, yeah, mainly because they stressed me out. 
like massively <laughs> stressed me out because without fail, a guest doesn't show up or we're trying to navigate, you know, the various time zones. Cause at the time we didn't have breaking banks, uh, Europe or breaking banks, Asia Pacific. Right. So we were covering everything globally and it was always down to the minute that someone was unable to get in. We've always had guests that would turn up and so forth. So that old O'Reilly, uh, you know, mantra, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. Yeah. <laughs> Although anyway. it did lead to some hilarity, right? One of our best performing shows ever, uh, pre-COVID, Matt Harris from Bain and I talking about, you know, unicorns versus workhorses and leave it to Matt. I love him dearly. Taxi cab in New York, wasn't he? Taxi cab on a corner on his way to LaGuardia. And so you hear all of New York City and its finest in the background for the show opener. He's like, no, no, I can do it. I can do it. I'm here. We're live. Who was yeah. it that was standing on a street corner as a, you know, apparent six alarm fire was going on, right? Fire engines streaming down the street. And we're and it it was a live show. There wasn't really too much we could do about it other than mute their mic and try to, you know, pick something uh, up. Yeah. Um, was that Duana? I don't know. Mm. That sounds familiar, but yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but doing it live, I was uh, speaking at an event in, of all places, Astana, Kazakhstan, and uh, had to host live at you know eleven or twelve p.m. whatever it was uh, over there at the time. And it's led to other funny moments. Speaking of you know people being remote, JP, remember that recording with Dave Birch, and it, uh -huh. it was live on the air. And you just hear zip, zip, zip. And you finally called him out on it. It's like, Birch, what are you doing? And here he was looking for a pen, like unzipping every you know bag known to man. Yeah, we, we, we need In to fact, I think, to that. In uh, fact, I think we have that clip, right? Yeah. Somebody said to me the other day, I'm not going to say which. Somebody said to me the other day, you know, in the bank, we have this, essentially this weird kind of enterprise where people spend their nine to five basically trying to figure out how to get away with stuff. You know, it, it's, it's the regulatory environment has, has grown up for reasons that we all understand, but that doesn't mean it should be sort of set into stone the way we do things. And I'll give you a very simple example around that, which is to do with AML. So if we lived in Victorian times, then when- Hey, Dave, hey, are you packing? I keep hearing your zipper there. <laughs> I, I, was, I was actually I was actually looking for my notebook. I'm searching through my rucksack. I can't find my notebook because I, I thought you were ready point. to skip out the back when you're done. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. <laughs> no problem. No, no. What I was going to say was, you know, we have a sort of structure which is essentially kind of Victorian, right? The bank does some transactions, and then right. they essentially fill out cards about those transactions. And then you send off those cards to somewhere, and then somebody looks through them to see if there's anything suspicious. And like we've automated that, but we haven't sort of changed. Now we live in a world of always on, always connected, uh, machine intelligence, machine learning, AI. Perhaps we should be looking at a different way of doing things, where instead of trying to create KYC barriers to keep the bad people out, whereby we have no idea what they're doing, what we actually want to do is lower the barriers and let them in. Brett, mate, I, I literally, I can't believe it. Fi 500 episodes, that's, I mean, it's unbelievable. And um, and thank you for involving me in some of them. I've always 
I've always had a good time uh, on your show and I've always learned things, which is like a really important part. And I've always been, uh, except the time I was scared when John McAfee was on, but um, you know, skate over that one. Anyway, my point is, here's what I have to say about Breaking Banks. I I listen to the podcast even when I'm not on it. I, I mean, I, 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 I cannot say any more in praise than that. Keep up the good work, mate. So some of the funniest moments I recall on the show actually have Dave in them. Um, I couldn't find the clip before this show, but it was that time we were uh, doing the news and uh, Yahoo had got hacked and Dave um, ca- came on and he's like, um, uh, you know, we, we announced that there'd been half a billion people had their details stolen. And Dave was like, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked. And, you know, he absolutely drew us in and, uh, was, was, was I had no idea Yahoo still had half a billion users, you know, which is just <laughs> classic Birch dry humor in the moment. But he's been one of our uh, guest hosts. Some of our other guest hosts over the over the years, we've had Penny Crosman, uh, Dave Birch, Chris Skinner, Ron Shelvin, Chloe James, uh, Mark Hochstein, um, both Penny and Mark, of course, at the time were with uh, Source Media, American Banker. In fact, uh, for a number of years, we um, uh, used their studios in New York. Uh, Liz Lumley was a, a guest host. Um, and there's a few others. If I'm forgetting them, I apologize. But I did catch up with Jim earlier in the week, and Jim reminded me that his first show was a live show. And in it, he had to deal with the fact that a guest didn't turn up or they dropped out. So uh, here's what Jim had to show about his early memories of co-hosting Breaking Banks. Jim, um, thanks for joining us once again on Breaking Banks. Great to be here. And I cannot believe you're on your 500th show. That is insane. It's sort of epic, isn't it? Hey, so can you can you remember those early um, appearances? Oh. What um, because we used to do a live show back in the day, right? Yeah. I, I, and and actually, that you know, the, we go over these stories, and it's so funny because I was mentioning to you that I remember at least three shows um, that, that I did for my car in a parking lot, which I thought was kind of strange. I had to do that, but when you realize we had to deal with so many time zones, so many different people involved. Sometimes we weren't in the best place to do it. Heck, you're a good example right now. That you have to do what you have to do. I sure. also remember my my first time hosting your show. We ended up having a one of the guests fall off, and I was going on a script. And I yeah, you you were it. you would that's the show you were hosting exactly. Yes, yeah. yeah. I had to I had to pivot between guests and figure out where I was in my conversation. And it, it really, it gave me the thirst to do this because one thing that your show taught me and, and actually was the impetus to do a show myself was there are no better learning experiences than the podcast when you host. it. So you learn something new every single time without fail. And sometimes you're stunned by what you know and what you find out and who tells it to you. I've been doing some podcasts recently with very small financial institutions. They're doing great things. And I'll tell you what, you can get innovation, get exciting stories from some of the most unusual places. And that's what makes it fun. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's one of the reasons I started Breaking Banks. And it's definitely one of the reasons I'm doing the Futurists because, you know, I learn from so many of these these guys, uh, these folks 
you know. Um, uh, so um, let's explore that a little bit. You know, you mentioned your podcast, Banking Transformed. Um, uh, so, um, you know, uh, how instrumental was breaking banks in, in you um, deciding to launch your own podcast? Well, in two different ways. One was that, number one, you you got so much information. Every time I hosted, every time I was a guest, it was so much fun. And when COVID came on, all of a sudden I said, you know, we gotta, I got to have some alternative because contents can become even more important. And the other thing I learned was it wasn't an impossible challenge. It was certainly a challenge. But if you focus on it, if you keep consistency, I mean, the biggest credit to you and, and your team and everybody that works on the show is that you've kept a cadence that I always know when I can find your shows. That's the hardest part of doing these shows is knowing yeah, that yeah. I'm gonna come out on X day every week. I'm going to promote it. I'm going to move on. And that is so difficult. It's so hard with a, with for me at the financial brand writing articles. It's so hard in creating content. Yeah, but yeah. once you get in the habit, it gets better and better and Right now, the podcast is the most fun element of what I do today. Awesome. Um, can I then ask you, just to wrap up, um, you know, first of all, let me just say thanks for your contribution you've made to the show. We're all very Thank grateful, you. and I'm sure the guests are, are grateful <laughs> for, for that. Um, you know, you've been a regular fixture, and, and um, you know, it is, it, it's also an important part of our friendship as well. But, you know, um, you know wh what contribution do you think Breaking Banks has made to the industry overall? Well, you know, it's interesting. I go back to the history of my career. It used to be that you could read the American Banker every day. You, you had time to do it. Things weren't moving as fast. It's impossible now. And what's interesting is podcasts like Breaking Banks gives you the opportunity to learn what's going on today, and, and the future is even more so, that you get an up-to-date, up-to-the-minute update as, what, as far as what's going on. There's no other way to get that than with podcasts, really. And and you need one source. You can't have 25 sources. You know, one of the things that you do and I try to do is we try to take everything that's going on in the world, everything that's being written, everything that's being said, everybody is being highlighted in the industry and bring them on the show to say, bring us an update as to what's going on in, in generative AI or or in, in embedded finance, whatever it may be in crypto or in, for your futurist podcast, which is just exciting what you're doing there. What's going on? Awesome. Well, Jim, um, you know, on behalf of the team, thanks again. And uh, thanks for being a part of our 500th episode. All the best. You know, Brett, thank you for everything. You got me going on the, you and Ron got me going on my, my writing career. You got me going on my presentation career. I owe you a lot of thanks for almost everything I'm doing right now. Thanks. Virtual hug. Team Teamwork makes the dream work, bro. <laughs> you, you got it. Yeah, you can't do it without a team. Absolutely. Well, we'll see you again shortly. That was Jim Maroos, the host of Banking Transform podcast and the digital, the author and owner of the Digital Banking Report. Well, it's been interesting, just the great number of people that it's brought into its orbit and some of the fun that we get to have with it. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think that the thing is, um, you know, a lot of Breaking Banks' history, and if you go back and listen to the shows, it really does parallel what was happening in the space. And, um, you know, I was talking with Nigel Verdon 
um, earlier. You you guys know Nigel from Rouser, um, previously Rouse Bank, exited there, Currency Cloud. Um, you know, he's done pretty well for himself. But he talked about the fact that in those early days, um, there was a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of uh, collaboration between the different fintech founders and so forth. And uh, fintech was, um, you know, a lonely place in those early days, but it really was, um, you know, something very collaborative. And I think that's why we had such extraordinary guests over the time uh, is we were able to get many of the founders and so forth because, you know, we were all founders as well and uh, heavily involved in the industry. Um, But uh, over the time, we've had some big names um, join us on the show. Who who are, you, who are the most memorable guests that you guys recall us having? Well, I think the most memorable guest for me is when you had me on the show for the first time, Brett. And, you know, back you to remember that camaraderie, the show? right? So I had co-founded Perk Street back in 2008. You wrote Banking 2.0 in 2010, which was required reading yep. for everyone on our team. I randomly reached out to you thinking I would never hear from you. Right, like this famous Brett King guy with the raised eyebrow. <laughs> um, you know, fast forward three years, just crash landed uh, Perk Street into a ball of flames. Moved to Chicago, and I get a call from you, my best Brett King accent. Hey, mate, I'm going on a book tour. Do you want to look after the podcast for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, somehow that Aussie accent turned into Brooklyn. I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, Which is fair enough. I, Brett moved yeah, yeah. Uh, to New York at the time. So. Oh, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, I don't know if we've had many people try and do my accent on the show. Jason's tried it a couple of times, I think. but Never works out. Yeah. Pretty soon it's going to be Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> yeah. That's it was nice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, and that scene, of course, took place in New York, as did one of your early live shows at the Google uh, NIPEI Unconference. And that was my first time on oh, the show right. as a guest. That was uh, October of 2013. So just a few months into the show. And at the time, I had founded what was then called the Bank Innovators Council which ended up becoming a part of Next Money and that idea of what I knew is that bankers who are trying to innovate need a club to belong to. They need a support group because they're surrounded what by what I always like to call the business prevention department. I had met Jason, had met you, uh, Brett, and this whole idea of let's get these bankers together and do something. What that something was, I didn't know at the time. And uh, ironic how once Jason and I started working together, that idea uh, in a much better um, version uh, became you know what's today the Alloy Labs Alliance. Yeah, yeah, and um, I don't know. We must have got on because we ended up co-hosting together. So um, do you remember the first show that we did after we put Provoke Media together? I can't, I'm, I'm trying to think when that would have been. Well, I want to say that that was about the fall of 2015 around Finnovate Fall. Where oh, the we, infamous meeting in New York. Yes, um, where we decided, hey, this one podcast is pretty good, but there are different angles, different ideas, different hosts. And let's put them all under one roof. And that became Provoke.fm Media. Well, uh, it also, um, sorry, Jason, you're on mute. But, um, 
but that's one of the the our favorite lines from the show as well over the years which one you're on mute yes. <laughs> sorry garbage truck see thank gosh we're not you know doing a live streaming show right now but you know it was interesting i used how- to like the live shows dude you know i mean it 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 gave us i think it gave but look i when i look back the audio quality and so forth is not as good as the shows we do now um you know they weren't as polished in terms of production but they they give you an edge you know they they like you, you know you have to be on your best game yeah they definitely uh, give you a shot of adrenaline Right, as the guest, I was yeah. amazed every single time that we actually pulled it off. Yeah, kind of screech into that uh, top of the next hour, and uh, we did have we did have some challenges on the show. I remember being at um, a, a venue. I can't. I, it was at um, might have been at a WeWork or something, and we had Stephen Wolfram as a guest, and we had name. terrible connection connectivity issues at our end his his end it was fine so he would hear half a question it was really tough but we had uh um yeah that was that was a bad show that was <laughs> anyway uh, some but, of the um, finest but hey look where provoke took us right we would have matteo and ajit on quite a bit that gave you know life to breaking banks you're well, as well matthias yep. uh, matthias corona all those guys, and they came together and, and produced Breaking Banks Europe. We had, of course, Sam Moll, who spun off FinTech 5, and then, Jason, you took the helm of, of that uh, um, from uh, Sam. Um, which has which, now become the Hot Wings and Hot Takes, my 2,700 yep. bottles, custom-branded yep. hot sauce. Awesome. Um, and then uh, we had Breaking Banks Asia Pacific. We had a shot at that for a little while with Simon Spencer. It's back now with uh, two journalists out of Australia, Rachel Williamson and Karis uh, Palmer uh, running that show. Um, and then, uh, it, you know, we you mentioned uh, Finnovate Fall, JP. Well, um, we had a couple of live shows at Finnovate. One of them you were involved in, in, in Finnovate New York. And then um, I did one in Finnovate, must have been in San Diego around the same time, 2015, with with Josh and uh, from Simple and Jim Roos. We did a live show there. Um, you, we you, did, Jim, and I also were live shows over the years, right? Yeah, you, Jim, and I were live in London um, uh, on, on stage two with a session there as well. Over a million square feet of conference space in the exhibitor stands, well, stands isn't really the right word to describe them. These are high-tech exhibit spaces with huge video displays, like you would expect to see at the Consumer Electronics Show, complete with meeting rooms to cut important business deals, and some even have their own bars built in. It takes a lot of coffee to keep everyone going all day, and the team from InnoTribe, Swift's innovation arm, brought in Jimmy Monkey Coffee, a longtime favorite at Next Money Conferences, all the way from Singapore, Jimmy Monkey's founder, Michael Ryan. Yeah, it's a pretty um, interesting and exciting setup that we have here. Um, it's quite exciting to be back again, thank you. I um, mean, it's uh, 330 kilograms of coffee, um, 1,500 liters of milk, um, a ton of equipment, all chucked in a plane and sent over to, um, to Switzerland here, and uh, 10 crew, all feverishly working away and uh, putting out close to, I think we'll get close to 10,000 cups this year. And that's a lot of coffee. You know, we would do a special show with the Finnovate winners 
which they then said, hey, we should have our own Finnovate podcast. We said, come join the Provoke family. Absolutely. So I actually, uh, um, we caught up with uh, Greg Palmer, who is the MC of uh, Finnovate earlier in the week. And he talked about that process of our collaboration over the years and what led then to the creation of the official Finnovate podcast in association with Provoke Media. Hey, Greg Palmer here from Finnovate and, of course, the Finnovate podcast. Just reaching out to say congratulations on your 500th episode. It's a monumental achievement. And on behalf of myself and everybody on the Finnovate team, we just want to say well done. Certainly, Breaking Banks has been a massive part of the Finnovate history. We've partnered with you for many years, ultimately, of course, culminating in the our own podcast, which we do with you all. But um, we are maybe some of the few people who knew you as a presenter first, having you up on stage at some of those early Finnovates with Move In Bank. And of course, later on, as you continue to innovate, that was how we sort of built our relationship there. But you know, I still think back to the first time that I was asked to appear on Breaking Banks. What a big deal that was for me and how much effort I put into it. If you could have seen me in my house waiting for that call to start, I had two laptops open with a bunch of notes. I was making sure there was absolutely no noise around. I wanted to do a really good job. Ultimately, it's something that I've become a little bit more comfortable with as we continue to go over the years. But uh, I still think back to that first time and it really speaks to what a big deal the show is and continues to be. Uh, I have to say my favorite Breaking Banks memory, though, probably comes from the fact when we had you record the live episode at Finnovate Fall a couple of years ago, it was a great conversation. It was really fun to do it in front of the audience and kind of hear that live participation. But the most satisfying moment had to be when I was able to ring the bell on Brett in front of the audience while we were recording it live. It was such a really good moment for me. And I thought something that probably a lot of people would have enjoyed to do as well. So I was sort of uh, really, really happy to do it. I think I was justified in doing it if you go back and listen to the tape. But um, again, a really enjoyable time. And just on a personal note, I'll say I really appreciate the support that uh, the Breaking Banks team has given to me, has given to Finnovate. And again, the, what you've done for the industry has been absolutely massive. So congratulations. Well done. And on behalf of everybody from Finnovate, here's to another 500 episodes. And let's say Dara Tarkowski from Actuate Law, who is a frequent guest whenever we wanted to break down the latest happenings from the OCC or the CFPB. We have a show coming up on that shortly. And she started the Tech on Reg podcast. And then I think last but not least, rounding that out, the folks from Sunrise Bank launching the Next Gen Banker podcast to really explore what is the future of banking? What is that human going to look like? And, you know, some of our uh, guest hosts, I mean, some of our uh, big names that we've had on the show over the previous uh, years as well, have a common theme to them. So people like Peter Diamandis, um, Aubrey de Grey, Ramez Nam, Stephen Wolfram, Kevin J. Anderson, David Brin, um, Thomas Frey, even Brian Romley and Robert Scoble, who've been regular guests on the show over the, the last few years, all, um, you know, were my friends out of the Futurists community. And so we ended up spinning off the Futurist podcast um, last year, and it's now uh, um, also hit that magic milestone of being the number one podcast in the category of Futurism. Um, just like Breaking Banks uh, has dominated the fintech category for those years. Um, so now we're producing, what is it, nine or 10 shows now under the Provoke banner. 
Well, they've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but uh, don't forget Emerge Everywhere from Jennifer Tesher and our friends at the Financial Health Network. Again, another frequent guest who had always had some great perspectives on how do we make uh, banking and finance more accessible and available to everybody. And uh, they've had some fantastic guests on their show as well, including Dan Shulman, uh, CEO of PayPal. And our newest one, Breaking Chains, Crypto looking at the uh, the ins and out of the blockchain and crypto uh, uh, web3 uh, market so um, a really nice stable of uh, programs that we've created over the years all right let's quick have a quick break guys and when we come back let's talk about some of the most memorable guests that we've had on the show and uh, including Boris Johnson and uh, um, John McAfee and a few others you, and, you knew I was uh, going to call out McAfee that show yeah was absolutely. On and uh, also, um, you know, hear from a few more of our friends who've been on the show over the years. You're listening to the 500th anniversary show of Breaking Banks, our 10th anniversary, 500th episode. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Alloy Labs. As much as we love talking on the show, we believe that action is more valuable than talk. Alloy Labs is the industry leader in helping fearless bankers drive exponential growth through collaboration, exclusive partnerships, and powerful network effects that give them an unfair advantage. Learn more at AlloyLabs.com. Alloy Labs. Banking Unbound. In 500 episodes of Breaking Banks, Brett and the team have covered a lot of ground and challenged the status quo. In banking, the status quo deserves to be re-examined. Being on Breaking Banks, especially during the years it was recorded live in the American Baker studio, has been a highlight of my career. In the early days, each time I was on the show, my blood pressure would go through the roof because inevitably Brett would ask me questions that had nothing to do with the topic I thought we would be discussing, forcing me to think on my feet. I met many interesting people on the show and had fun debating issues with Brett, Jim Maroos, Ron Shevlin, J.P. Nichols, and other regulars on the show. I wish the team well with the next 500 episodes. Hi, everyone. This is Randall Libero, producer. And this is a message for Brett King on the anniversary of his 500th episode of Breaking Banks Fintech. I remember Brett when we met back in 2013, early 2013, and you were already a speaker and an author, and I approached you about the idea of doing a radio show, and you thought it would help you write another book, and I looked at you, and you did this thing with your eyebrow, and I said, you look like Brian Cranston on Breaking Bad, and you said, well, I may not be Breaking Bad, but I may be breaking a few banks, and the idea for the show was born. I remember when your show started on the Voice America Business Channel, and when you visited the studio at about the two-year mark, you had already reached half a million listeners. When you became the number one show on the Business Channel, I met you at Money 2020 and gave you an award. I've developed and produced about 200 original shows, but Brett, you've been one of those hosts who had a clear vision of where you wanted to go right from the beginning. And, like a good captain of a ship, you've sailed into extraordinary success with it. It's been very exciting to see, with the show as both a launching pad and a foundation, how you've built upon that. 
establishing Provoke Media, authoring more books that have gone even bigger and become international bestsellers. And today, Breaking Banks Fintech is the number one talk show and podcast about the fintech industry in the whole world. There's no question about that. So congratulations again on your 500th episode. This is Randall Averro signing off. Couple of anecdotes I wanted to share. The first time I saw Brett, as I mentioned a few years later on stage in Singapore while I was interviewing him, was in 2016 in Las Vegas. He walked past me, he was recognisable by that signature raised eyebrow and awesome trainers, and I was too nervous to introduce myself and say hi. Anyway, after which we did connect and I realised that he was super down to earth with a steely eyed focus on creating great content in the fintech space. He and Breaking Banks were there on the cusp of its boom. I was lucky enough to become co-host along with some awesome peers and now friends that I've met via Brett, co-hosted with Jason Henricks, JP Nichols, Lita Glyptus, Dave Birch and Jim Maroos, who is a great friend of mine and my husband's. They have a football baseball thing going on. Highlights are interviewing the lights of John Hope Bryant from Operation Hope, Sam Kilmer at Cornerstone Advisors, uh, James Robert Lay, author of Banking on Digital Growth. Such a forward-thinking individual. Through Breaking Banks, I have met such interesting people and it's been a real honour. Well, welcome back to Breaking Banks. We've been talking about our 10-year history now on our 500th show of Breaking Banks and our sister podcast here at Provoke.fm Media. And one of the things that has always been big to me is that we've been close and early on some of the big ideas. Uh, we talked a little bit about Bitcoin earlier. Um, I mean, you know, what was the price of Bitcoin when you first started? I mean, it was less than $1,000, wasn't it, Brett? Uh, yeah, it was definitely less than $1,000. In fact, I was looking earlier, we did get a show in with Brock Pierce when it was at 1200 and that was just when um, we were waiting for the announcement on um, the uh, ETF from the Winklevoss twins. Hmm. Uh, it was about a week out, so we were debating whether that was going to um, affect it. But um, our, our first show, as I said, um, on the Bitcoin stuff was in um, June 4th, 2013. Um, then we had the Mount... Gox crash, which we mm -hmm. talked about on February 11th, 2014. Um, then, uh, yeah, we had uh, Chris Larson from Ripple Labs come on. Chris Skinner actually co-hosted that show. Brock Pierce came on that one. And then Bitcoin crossed the $1,000 value Rubicon sometime around that uh, time, 2015, something. We did a show on that. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, and then on March 3rd, 2017, we had Brock Pierce back on calling um, Bitcoin digital gold. And Bitcoin on that date of March 3rd, 2017 was at $1,273. I'm pretty sure Breaking Banks is the first place I heard the word blockchain. And we've heard it a lot since then. Uh, we've also had, I think you've mentioned Vitalik Buterin has been on uh, as well. That led us into really exploring some of the ideas with identity. Dave Birch been uh, a leader around that whole thing, virtual reality, artificial reality, AI. Uh, boy, AI has really hit the news hard in the past few months. 
but we've been talking about this for 10 years. And yeah, one of my of favorite shows on the AI front was actually with Ben Goetzel. Um, you know, and that was one of the early shows that he did with us. He's been on a few times now. So it was December 21, 2017, when we had Ben Goetzel on. It's probably one of my favorite episodes, that episode's, which is entitled AI and Robots with Ben Goetzel. I mean, it forced me, I was going to be hosting Brian, and this was years ago, and I had to go read up on all things AI in order to have any semblance of a conversation with them. Yeah, I, um, I mean, the, it, it's, it's interesting how certain guests, when you get them together, work really well. And, and uh, I think we're the only show that has Brian Romley and Robert Scoble on together like that, but they've always been really interesting guests. We had them both on individually and then together, and it's sort of magic when they come on together. Is there any other guests like that that have paired really well in your experience, guys? Alex Johnson and Kia Haslett are like gold together on the hot wings and hot takes. (laughs) I mean, we managed to talk about core deposits for an hour and we could have just kept going. And it's a well-performing show. Who listens to, you know, three people ramble on about deposit strategies and rates and what should be considered, you know, as a broker deposit, you know, for a full hour. Yeah. well, Kia has become a, a new favorite, uh, relatively new to the show, but she always has hot takes, even if she's not hitting uh, hot wings. And I had she and John Maxwell scheduled to record on what ended up being literally as we were opening up the mics to record, uh, they announced the shutdown of Silicon Valley Bank. And so hot on the heels of that. So it's not always the big names, but sometimes the big stories. Sometimes we know they're big stories. Sometimes we don't. I think about being so early in the conversation around M-Pesa and Flutterway yeah. and some of the things happening in uh, emerging markets that we've talked on the show, too, that, you know, frankly, we were not hearing anywhere else. I think that's very true. The M-Pesa show remained one of our most popular shows from 2016, which included man-on-the-street interviews. Um, I actually went down to uh, Kenya. It was sponsored by KCB Bank, one of the uh, the big banks there. We met with Bob Collymore, who's since passed away, but Bob was the CEO um, of uh, M-Pesa, Safaricom, um, in uh, in Kenya. We met with the uh, the governor of the central bank, um, you know, that was a memorable show. And then, um, you know, we had our CBDC show, which was one of our, again, high production, uh, you know, value shows where we had uh, Henry Aslanian on and uh, Richard Turin, the host, uh, the, the author of uh, um, uh, Cashless, um, you know, a great book on, on what's happening in China. And we were, managed to get some man on the street interviews from people in Shenzhen and Shanghai um, asking them what, you know, how they would use the CBDC wallet and so forth. And that was very insightful. So let's just play a clip from uh, those couple of shows, um, the M-Pesa and uh, CBDC specials. Breaking Banks comes to you from one of the hottest proving grounds for fintech on the planet. You're worth the light. You're perfect light. No, it's not New York, Hong Kong, Singapore, London, or even Shanghai. But it is a country where fintech has created the largest shift in financial inclusion ever. 
in the history of the financial system. Have you figured it out? This week, we're on the African continent. It might appear like an unlikely place for the leading fintech use cases in the world, but Kenya, the home of M-Pesa, which is the Swahili word for money or mobile money effectively, is where we've seen the evolution of the most prolific mobile bank account on the planet. That's in terms of percentage of the population affected because we know what's happening in China, Alibaba, Alipay and WeChat, you know, they've got hundreds of millions. But in terms of pure percentage of the population affected, Kenya is the place where it's at. The ECMY wallet was a feature of the Beijing Olympics. Here's how one Chinese citizen described their participation in the ECMY wallet trials in China that are happening today. I've been on frequent business trips to Shanghai and Shenzhen recently. I used ECNY in Shanghai last December, and I've always been interested in it. As soon as the ECNY was issued, I downloaded the app for tests. So where is it being used? I have used it several times in shopping stores and malls. There are some business circles in Shanghai that support ECNY payment, such as Nanjing Road, Xindiandi, Beihai Beach, and Shuhaowei. I have often used it for online shopping several times. Rich, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, how widespread the trials are in China of the ECMY wallet? Yeah, sure, Brett. Um, it's really interesting. Right now, we're up to 17 cities, plus one, and plus one is the Olympic venue, or this summer, it's going to be a plus one of the Asian Games, which is also going to use digital currency or the ECNY, um, just like the Olympics did. So the thing to understand about it, though, is that while it's in 18 cities, including my beloved Shanghai, where I live, it's not well adopted. It's hard to find in the store. So I can't use it at my local supermarket. I can use it at McDonald's, which is not my favorite, but I can also use it at a, a Japanese clothing store, a big chain. And uh, But my local coffee shop and many of the other small shops aren't using it just yet. So it's still in what's called trial phase. And... Um, it's coming and it's doing lots of interesting things, which being used for larger volume payments now or higher, higher number payments. Um, but it's not everywhere. You're not going to see the ECNY symbol on display in every shore, every store that you look at. Being out there in the field and doing interviews, I'll never forget Sky Izzard when we were in New York doing the uh, startup boot camp episode uh, from this guy from Sandbox Banking talking about the sacrifices he had to make moving from Boston to New York uh, to get that startup off the ground. For that, I was really an undergraduate student at Tufts, studied computer science and psychology. So you're from Boston. You had to come down here to New York for 13 weeks. How did that all work out? Where are you living? What's that look like for you? I'm on my aunt's third floor in Brooklyn. It's actually a deal of a lifetime. She's letting me stay there for free. It's very, very hot up there right now. You know, it's tough. It is tough coming down here. I mean, my girlfriend's back in Boston. I miss her a lot. One of my favorite moments at the show happened in New York, and it was a, it's a, a brief clip. 
The audio quality is not great, but of course, uh, the guest went on to be rather infamous, and that is at the time he was the mayor of uh, London, Boris Johnson, Mm. prior to him being prime minister. And we got the chance to catch up with him at an Innovate Finance event in New York City, where he talked about why it was that London was such a great destination for fintech. What makes London a great destination for financial technology? Because we've got the banks, we've got the biggest financial sector anywhere in the world, uh, but we've also got the, uh, the expertise. We've got more people involved in that sector than any other part of any, any, other, any other European capital, probably any capital in the world, and it's growing the whole time. We have the, we have the brains, we have the coders, we have the young graduates, and it's a fantastic place to live. I think that is why London is a, a, a winning at the moment. It's just because of the quality of life of, of, of the city. It's the buzz, it's the bars, it's the vibe, it's all that kind of stuff that you know, people like me can't really screw up too much. You know, it's, it's, it's done by, by our, what we can do is make sure it's safe, that it's clean, that it's green, uh, and there are enough houses, and, that, and, and, and the, the transport is good. That's what we do, and it's working well. And how do you think New York and London can uh, collaborate on and uh, bringing technology to the banking sector? Just recognise that this is win-win. Both of our, obviously, New York and London will always be uh, in competition to some extent. But there's uh, there's a sense also in which the better New York does, the better London does, better London does, better New York does. It, they are two very similar uh, economies. Uh, breakthroughs in New York will instantly be rep- replicated in London. Breakthroughs in London will be instantly translated to New York. It, 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 they, they, it all moves ahead at the same pace. Boris Johnson, thank you very much. Great to meet you. Just to round things out, we had Kia Haslett, Alex Johnson, and Jason McCullough, who often participates in Hot Wings and Hot Takes as well, each record a hot take for us. Why don't we listen to those? Hey, Breaking Banks, it's Kia Haslett from Bank Director. Congrats on your 500th episode. 500 is a lot. I hope you and your listeners take a minute to think about what the banking startup and economic environment was like at the start of this podcast compared to where it is today. One thing I've been reflecting on are the beliefs that were more permanent in our minds than maybe we realized and the unexpected impact of the things when they change. More specifically, I'm thinking about interest rates, the movement of money, competition, and technology. Everyone is rediscovering, or discovering if you're my age, what it means to live in an inflationary, high interest rate environment. That's on top of the technology investments and other changes banks and startups have made over the last decade. My take for you is that I think it's too soon to say that the banking crisis is over. I think it's barely begun. I don't think we've really seen the full breadth of the interest rate bets that banks have made and how their balance sheets will perform in a prolonged high interest rate environment. I'm sure the next 500 episodes of Breaking Banks will explore how financial institutions can cope, respond to, and capitalize on the amount of changes that are about to happen in the industry. Can't wait to join you for those conversations. Hi, my name is Alex Johnson, and I am the creator of FinTech Takes. And in honor of Breaking Bank's 500th episode, congratulations, I want to share this quick rant with you. Apple Wallet sucks. Now, I say this as someone who's a huge fan of Apple products generally. I'm recording this rant on an iPhone. I use a MacBook to type out my newsletter every week. I may even buy the Vision Pro headset. And I like a lot of the individual financial services products that Apple offers as well, right? The Apple credit card is great. It has a nice consumer-friendly design. The savings account offers a generous interest rate. 
I even think the Buy Now, Pay Later product is fine. I mean, it's a Buy Now, Pay Later product, but it's no worse than any of the other ones out there. That's not the problem. They've assembled a lot of individual financial services products that are great, that I really think are very competitive in the market. And yet the ability to access all of those products is hinging on my ability to navigate this Apple wallet that doesn't make any sense. Why is it that I have to scroll past expired Disney World Resort passes in order to get to my account balance? Why is it that I have to apply for the new Apple savings account within the Apple credit card interface? That makes no sense. Why is it so hard for me to just send money to someone even though Apple has the best infrastructure possible for P2P payments? Why is it that I have to click on every one of these individual cards in order to see my transactions rather than having the transactions aggregated together in one place. Why do I have to apply for the buy now, pay later service within the Apple wallet before I can access that as a payment option at the point of sale using Apple Pay? Look, I have a physical wallet that is an absolute mess. It has cards in it, it has cash, it has old receipts, it has identification cards, it has insurance cards, it has identification cards that are expired, it has notes that I wrote to myself years ago that I haven't gotten rid of for some reason. My wife makes fun of me for it. And I understand that Apple, generally speaking, is a fan of skeuomorphic design. I get that. However, I really wish in this particular case they would have started with a blank slate and built a financial services app that makes sense rather than porting over my mess of a wallet into the digital world. First of all, congratulations on your 500th episode. Because I can't limit myself to just one topic, here are two quick ones for you. First, a product feature. This will be no surprise to anyone who's familiar with my work. Tipping. Tipping is not a business model. Tipping is something you do when you receive exceptionally good service uh, at a restaurant, at a coffee shop, etc. It is not something you do when you take a loan or execute a trade. Uh, particularly in lending business models, it tends to just be an end run around uh, state usury law. Uh, yeah, hate it. Not an innovation, terrible, need to get rid of it. Uh, in relation to that, the phrase democratizing X needs to go. I was hoping we would get rid of this in 2023. I still see it floating around. Anytime I see a company refer to how they are democratizing something, I'm immediately and inherently suspicious of what it is that they're doing and how they're monetizing their users. Uh, whether it's Robinhood in the trading space, anything in crypto, if they're calling it democratizing X, chances are it really is just taking advantage of users who probably should not be using the product. Uh, with that, again, happy 500th episode and congratulations on all the hard work. Well, Jason, you get credit for hot wings and hot takes. That's been one of our uh, best features. And the other one you've brought to the show is FinTech Fight Club. And we both have hosted those at various events and never fails to entertain. Well, it's funny, the backstory on that one, Ron and Shevlin and Jim Maroos were going to be um, doing a debate for MX, for Money Experience. And I was going to be out there, and this was Ron and I doing some late-night Twitter DMs. And I said, well, the problem here, Ron, is you are always beating poor Jim up, and Jim's too nice to hit you back. You need like a moderator or something, so you fight fair. 
And I wake up to an email the next morning from the head of content from MX going, hey, Ron Shevlin says you're willing to moderate um, a debate between the two of them. And it's going to be right after your session that you're speaking at anyway with Jane Barrett. So that's cool. I'm like, wait a second. I didn't sign up to that. And I said, well, I'll do it on one condition. I get full editorial control of the production. (laughs) And so the folks from MX didn't know what was about to happen. And (laughs) I've got a source now in Vietnam that makes all of the Fight Club robes when they come out. But it was Ron the Shiv Shevlin and Jim the Moose Maroose, unbeknownst to me that that was his nickname once upon a time. But, you know, coming out the full ladies and gentlemen, now prepare yourself for the main event. And it always uh, brings a lot of energy back to the stage. So we've done it five times now. Uh, I want to say five of the Finnovates. I think it'll be uh, at Finnovate Fall again this year. The reigning champions are Lindsey Davis and Wade Arnold from Move, right? We changed it up a little bit and did a tag team format for a while, but you know, pushing the edge of content is a ton of fun. Welcome to today's main event, the FinTech Fight Club. No more debate. The gloves are coming off. Our first contender, the Oracle of Ohio, the bad boy behind the financial brand, and the reigning champion at Orange Theory, Jim the Moose. And now, the reigning champion, weighing in at 180 pounds of snark, the bruiser from just north of Boston, Forbes contributor, and oh yeah, the director of research, at Cornerstone, Ron the Shiv Shevlin! Hi, Brett. Ron Shevlin here. Just wanted to congratulate you and the whole Breaking Banks team on your 500th episode. It's a huge accomplishment to have been the top-rated banking podcast for so many years in a row. Thanks for having me on the show from time to time, and especially for allowing me to guest host. I remember the first time I guest hosted. I can't tell you how nervous I was. There were two guests that day, Spiros Margaris, founder of Margaris Ventures and and one of the top fintech influencers on Twitter, was on that day. Uh, And the second guest was someone involved in regtech. Uh, which is not an area I follow closely. Uh, I remember studying up on the space for a few hours before the show uh, in hope of gaining enough knowledge to maintain a good conversation and and ask some good questions. Uh, It really made me appreciate how easy you make hosting Breaking Banks look. So congrats on show number 500, Brett, and I'm always already looking forward to show 1000. I've been involved with Breaking Banks as a podcast since its first episode and now we're on number 500 and now there are many podcasts but this was probably one of the first ones that was out there um to be honest maybe it's my age i cannot remember the first one i think i was on it um 
but it really goes to the heart of communication. And from my perspective, I'm a writer, like Brett. And so my personal view is that I like to share my thoughts through my words in the written form. Um, having said that, I've taken part in many different podcasts and um, videos and vodcast services. And I think the thing about Breaking Banks is that it's a record of the history of the last decade of the rise of fintech and the challenge that creates for banks, which is why it's called Breaking Banks. Although many of us would say, how can you have breaking banks when banks are already broken? The reverse of that is that where we are today is that fintech's now on a decline. It's not on a irreversible decline, but it is going through a downhill run because of the drying up of funding and the nature of the markets in 2023 and where we are with venture capital. And rather than breaking banks, it's more like the, the way of the world is trying to integrate banks with technology through fintech. Uh, a lot of banks are acquiring fintech companies and uh, a lot of banks are trying to work with fintech companies. So, you know, we've seen a massive change in the last decade from challenges and new structures, open banking, APIs, cloud, mobile, smartphone, computing, etc. Now artificial intelligence in particular is a big focus. Uh, to banks becoming far more technology savvy and integrated with technology and accepting that they cannot work without technologists, which to me is the greatest thing I've seen in my lifetime. And Breaking Banks has been tracking that for 500 episodes. So happy birthday. And I really thank you for everything you've done. I'm Spiros Megaris of Megaris Ventures. I would like to say a few words about Breaking Banks and Brett King. It's a fantastic show, probably the leader in its space globally for almost 10 years. I listen to it a lot whenever I can. I gain a lot of insights from the fantastic guests on his show that share generously their knowledge. It made me a better investor in the fintech space and in general through listening to those guests and to listen what Brett had to say. I want to thank Brett King and his team for having provided us with such so much knowledge on banking, financial services, on AI, on fintech, primarily on fintech, but all plays into one. Thanks again for having me. Thanks again for having us all. And thanks for sharing this platform to all of us to listen and become more knowledgeable in the process. Spiros McGarris. One of the other interesting things about this show is not only do we hit topics early, sometimes we take on some hot ones, um, things around uh, cannabis, very popular there for a while, and a little bit of controversy. And I can't believe we've gone yeah, that show right at really high, man. <laughs> one of our highest guests, uh, John <laughs> McAfee, Brett, and that interview no, that was a with him.
Yeah, I don't know where he was, whether he was in Belize at the time or whatever, but um, I do remember we had uh, Dave Birch and, and Katie co-hosting with me, and it got sort of crazy, um, which is John McAfee, right? But uh, he thought he was supposed to be on for half hour, and we were trying to get him for a full hour show and end up staying for the time, but um, we skipped all around a whole lot of stuff. Um, but uh, just trying – it was like riding a dolphin, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a good analogy <laughs> or, or it's just or a a, bon- a bronco or something. It was it was pretty hard to keep him uh, keep him in check. <laughs> All right, guys. I hate, hey, listen, I hate to be we so, need to, listen. No, I hate to we, be so so grating, but I promise you, a journalist will tell you, I have immersed eighteen hours a day for forty five days and, and, and the numbers, and you cannot possibly tell me a country or ask me a question I cannot give you the numbers for, and I can even tell you what the probability of those numbers being correct are based on any number of factors. So people, I, I, uh, I, I invented antivirus software. Yes. Nobody knows the, the mathematics of epidemiology more than me. And I'm telling you people, this is That's a scam. very compelling. Katie King, AKA Miss Metaverse here. Here we are, 500 episodes of the number one fintech podcast and radio show. I remember it was around 2016 when Brett first invited me on the show for an episode called Fintech Bots, Brands, and Entrepreneurship. That seems like ages ago, and we have all come such a long way since. It was later that year when I'd officially joined the Breaking Banks team, helping out with social posts and the production side of things. It's been an amazing experiencing how much the show and the Provoke team have evolved even just over the past few years. One of my favorite episodes was in May 2020, and it was with the late and great John McAfee. It was Brett, Dave Birch, and I, and the show aired just a year before he passed. Uh, COVID was just kicking off at the time, and there was a lot of uncertainty. But McAfee was one of a kind. If you haven't heard that episode, definitely check it out. I'd also like to thank his wife, Janice, for having connected us and making the show possible. Thanks to Breaking Banks, I've gotten to meet many amazing people in the fintech community, including the show's hosts, co-hosts, guests, production team, and everyone we've interviewed and connected with at conferences and events around the world. Congratulations to everyone at Breaking Banks and the team at Provoke Media. We'll see you in the future. We also had a little more mainstream look on cannabis as Stuart Cook from Valley Bank talked about their bold move into cannabis uh, live at Money 2020. We would have to rethink how we went to market and the type of industry segments that we might serve. So for for the board, um, there's buy-in on that strategy, but um, you know people can't help being nervous about the situation. Like we're gonna we're gonna take drug money, but of course it's it's legal. It's legal in 18 plus states. We have the sort of com- complication around the federal sort of rules around this, um, but it's highly regulated at state level, um, and um, we're able to demonstrate to um, to the board that you can do this. You can provide safe and compliant banking to to businesses like this that are you know, hugely ambitious. Um, and that's, uh, you know, 
that was a journey that we went on. Personally, for me, the show has been quite transformative for my life. Not just the fact that traveling around the world, I get to meet people who, um, you know, have heard Breaking Banks. I remember going, uh, doing an SAP conference in Sydney. And um, I remember um, sitting in the audience and this guy came in, you know, into the audience. We were doing um, prep for the, the show and rehearsals and stuff. And uh, I remember getting up on stage to do my rehearsal and said a few lines and this guy in the audience, he had his back turned and he did this double take and he spun around and he actually said from the audience, you're Brett King from Breaking Banks because he'd heard my voice. Um, And that was enough to uh, trigger it for him. Um, So that was sort of a funny experience. I I, I got someone came up to me in New York City and I was wearing my Breaking Banks T-shirt, and they said, "Are you from Breaking Banks, the radio show?" Um, I thought that was pretty cool, getting sort of recognised on the the streets of New York. But probably the most interesting thing for me was in 2015, I invited a female futurist on the show um, because, as you know, I like futurists on the show, and there's not many female futurists that do uh, do media and stuff. And uh, invited. Uh, Katie Schultz, also known as Miss Metaverse on the show, and um, invited her a second time in 2016. And she ended up doing some work for me uh, personally on the social media side. And uh, lo and behold, now we're, uh, we're married together. So um, as I say, Breaking Banks has been quite transformative in my life. A different kind of co-host. <laughs> yeah. So um, earlier in the show, you heard from Randall Libero from Voice America talking about um, the name of the show Breaking Banks, how it was inspired by Breaking Bad back in 2013, which was the number one show. But in, um, in those early days, in the first few years of the show, uh, you know, to your point, JP, about bankers listening to the show, um, bankers would get very nervous about coming on the show because of the show title, Breaking Banks. Um, and it, we were seen as sort of the bad boy of uh, banking back in those early days. I think that's a fair enough characterization. Um, but I think everyone just got used to it, maybe. Um, and it didn't become uh, such an issue because we've had some great bankers uh, on the show over the years. Well, on the show and and listening. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have been surprised at a laid-back, button-down banker at a conference telling me they never miss a show because this is where they're hearing things they're not hearing anywhere else. It's been a blast looking backwards over the last 10 years and 500 episodes, but what I'm more excited about is where we're headed in the future, not just with the futurist, but Fred, as our chief futurist of Provoke.fm, what are you looking forward to in the next 10 years? Uh, that's a good point. Um, I mean, obviously, things are changing um, you know, ever more rapidly. The introduction of AI into banking and how that's going to produce the next layer of disruption is easily going to give us another 10 years worth of uh, traction for the show, I'm sure. Um, but I think, um, you know, the, the, there, there are some sort of macro level changes occurring in terms of what it means to be a bank. And over the next 10 years, we're going to start to see that 
come together. So you were talking about deposits and so forth. You know, the the flavor of deposit-taking organizations has rapidly changed the way we organize banks. You know, if you look at the structures of digital banks, they're org charts versus those of traditional banks. You look at the technology stack versus the core systems in, in the old days and so forth. There are some pretty profound changes that have occurred over the last 10 years, but that's nothing really compared to the impact that AI and digital currencies and automation is going to have on the space. So I think that the Futurist show and Breaking Banks are going to continue to um, you know, intersect because of um, those, those changes. And we've, we, I think we could easily go in for another 10 years, inshallah, as they say. I'm excited that the fintech bubble has finally burst, that it feels like the amount of money that was pouring into the space was actually creating too much incentive for growth at all costs, as opposed to real fundamental innovation. So I'm actually, for one, looking forward to not just a return to the way it was, which I don't think is what we're going to see happen, but actual, let me go think about something in an entirely different way versus the neobank for this, that, and the next thing, or we use blockchain and now it's, we, we use AI, um, but really where those applications can go as opposed to saying we're an AI company now. I think over the next 10 years, we're going to see the benefits of this digital Darwinism, right? It's the weaker players, both on the FinTech side and the traditional financial services or financial institution side. Uh, are are being winnowed out, merged away, in some cases uh, failed. And we are really what's left are the stronger, more innovative organizations. And it all makes me think of a famous quote from Bill Gates. We tend to overestimate how much will happen in the next two years and underestimate how much will happen in the next 10. Well, I think that brings us to the wrap of the 500 show. And one of my favorite parts of hosting, especially when it was live, was getting to the end, being able to go. And this has been Breaking Banks. Absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, and also, and also, um, you know, the... uh, the, the the big thing that sort of impacted us over these last few years have been your support as a crowd. Um, the fact that you do listen to the show regularly, you know, you let other people know about it. So please continue to do that. And, you know, thank you f- as a, as an audience for being a part of this journey with us over the last 10 years. It's been a big part of our lives and we hope that we've paid us played a small, but significant part in your lives. And, uh, um, with your your continued support and that of our sponsors and friends and uh, co-hosts and some of those people you heard from today that reached out, um, I hope we'll be able to continue to go for another 10 years. Dare I say it, PSM, budgeting, savings, embeddable or not, I do dare to say it and i'm calling it right now savings is in for it and i absolutely mean it in a good way um you can see it with apple launching a savings account with goldman sachs although we all know that's like seems to be fragile relationship right now um we see it with paypal savings we see it with um save now pay later as an option to pay with for example accrue savings and that is savings accounts are being used almost as like a wish list for for items and 
you know, I think one thing the industry hasn't really zoomed in on, but is like a really, really, um, you know, strong opportunity for rethinking savings is that Regulation D was put on pause during the pandemic in terms of uh, banks had the option to not fee their customers if they like withdrew too many times in their savings um, online or other convenient ways. And that's still on pause. So there are banks now that aren't charging, you know, customers for withdrawing too much from their savings account. But now that you can see like tech players getting to this game, it's logical to think, you know, savings, savings accounts will be used to pay for things and perhaps without penalty. Um, so, you know, my eyes are on this, but my eyes are also on this because for the banks in credit unions still charging consumers fees for withdrawing too much from their savings account. I mean, sure, it's it's meant for savings, but it's not like a CD. And I, I think, you know, it's something the CFPB could look at in time because um, one might ask, why are people paying these fees for something that banks don't have to charge? So that's what my mind's on. Hi, this is Rachel Morrissey, and I'm one of the creators of the original producer of Breaking Banks. And it's hard to believe it's been 10 years since we launched. And in May of 2013, I remember getting ready to launch the first show. And it's almost impossible to believe that it's been that long and how much has happened since then. Um, there will always be shows. There will always be particular episodes that were very close to my heart. Um, among those are always going to be the ones where we got to get out of our regular setting and we were able to take it on the road and we were able to do things like go to Kenya um, or when we did the demo day from Startup Boot Camp and we, we got to actually sit inside the meetings with the demoers and really get a sense of their uh, experience and, and be able to convey that to the audience in a new way. Um, those will always be my favorites, especially because I got to bring new people in at that time, like like J.P. Nichols and like Sam Mall and a couple of the others that we brought in and, and just really enjoyed working with. Um, always have really fond memories of those times, and and I'm really proud of the work that we did on that show on breaking banks and, and, uh, yeah, all the best guys. So thanks for joining us again this week, the 500th episode of breaking banks. I'm your host, Brett King. And with me, Jason Hendricks and JP Nichols. And we'll be back next week with more breaking banks. That's it for another week of the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show, Breaking Banks. This episode was produced by our US-based production team, including producer Lisbeth Severins, audio engineer Kevin Hersham, with social media support from Carlo Navarra and Sylvie Johnson. If you like this episode, don't forget to tweet it out or post it on your favorite social media. We'll leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, or wherever it is that you listen to our show. Those actions help other people find our podcast. And in return, that helps us build an audience that can be supported by sponsorship so we can continue to provide you with our award-winning content every week. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you on Breaking Banks next week.